This is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. Live every Sunday, 10am, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn and our website, uh, propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you're watching on our website, leave us that Google review, or if you're watching via social media, get involved in the comments section uh, where you're watching us today. If you've got a topic for discussion or any questions, email address is hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you don't have the time to watch the full show today, you can watch it on the move with a podcast every Monday, 10 a.m. from those uh, sites that you can see over on the other side of the screen. And we're live on Dilsey Radio every day, um, which is great for the listeners of Dilsey Radio, I suspect. Joe Joshi, good morning. How are you? Yes, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to our um, listeners and, of course, our viewers. I know it's early on a Sunday morning. Uh, but like Paul says, you can catch us on the podcast um, um, every week uh, from 10 o'clock on a Monday. Fantastic. Let's take a look at uh, some of the latest news in property. And the Zoopla uh, October house price index details are out now, Joe. Uh, the basic uh, top line of all this, and I'm not going to spend a great deal of time in the figures uh, today, you'll be pleased to hear, but there are some interesting points to discuss with you Um so house price inflation, no, no question about it, has gone down from 9.6% last year to minus 1.1% over the last year. Four in five housing markets are registered um, have, are registering small annual price falls. Uh, regulation of mortgage lending has built market resilience to higher mortgage rates, although household buying power remains lower. Transactions have been hit hardest and will be 23% lower than last year. And interestingly, first-time buyers and cash buyers account for uh, two in three sales in 2023. Low price falls and 5% mortgage rates mean housing is still expensive. And we expect UK house prices to fall 2% over 2024 as rising incomes steadily repair housing affordability. 2024 is set to be another year of £1 million or £1 million sales in a year, which is quite significantly down on last year, of course. This could be higher if mortgage rates fall back to around 4% sooner than expected in 2024. So quite a lot to unpick there, Joe. Um, interesting to see that, uh, no surprise that we know about the price falls, there's nothing uh, un uh, unusual about that. But I guess really what's really interesting there is that the fall um, in terms of actual transactions is down 23%, which is quite a lot. But it's surprising that the house prices haven't crashed in the same way. Yes, I think um, uh, a, a good subject, Paul, and a subject that, um, in all honesty, uh, I'm asked um, time and time again, uh, pretty much anywhere I, I step and stop, uh, people always say, well, what's the prediction? What's it, what's it likely to do? And you know, is it going to fall back and, and so forth? And, and every connotation is actually uh, considered. But um, I'm not uh, particularly surprised that uh, it hasn't dropped back as much. And the 23% and that it has dropped back is based on a, a lot of other factors, as well as obviously the interest rate, which has been the main driver, I think people always look at that side of it and say, well, actually, now it's becoming a little bit uh, unaffordable. But um, also, of course, this year specifically, we have lived with the uh, uh, the cost of living, which is really hammered home um, and, and probably have now uh, begun to be settled. Um, and so therefore, um, adjusting itself, uh, people are beginning to sort of say to themselves, well, we're going to live with this. And, and so therefore, uh, probably not as big a drop uh, in house price values, but in house price 
sales, sorry, in-house uh, activity, sales activity, that's dropped because many other factors people have had to consider in how they adjust their own lives. One of the suggestions that they make in the report is that um, because of the stress testing that the mortgage companies have been doing, so the affordability tests that came in in 2015, uh, and they've bought, built resilience into the market, it's suggested. So this stopped households from, households from using ultra cheap mortgage rates to take on unsustainable levels of debt. And in the past, this would have pushed house prices much higher, making double-digit price falls more likely once demand fell. So the fact that you had to um, prove when it was at 2% the rate that you could afford 7%, and now it's at 5%, you've got to prove that you can do 8 or 9%. They're suggesting that that resilience that they've built in through that prudent lending has actually meant that that's why the house prices haven't fallen. Although the transactions have fallen dramatically because a lot of people can't actually afford it and they've got to face facts. But the truth is that, that because the affordability is there, people are not having to hand the keys back so much. So this was obviously driven by the 2007-2008 financial services crash, which made sure that the stress test built into future lending was built in, which is exactly what they've done in terms of um, allowing people to borrow at 2%, but knowing that they could if and when it afford, you know, fell to or raised to, like we are now at five and a quarter percent, up to 7% uh, interest rate wise, they were still in a position to be able to afford what they had borrowed. And I think that's obviously uh, been a good um, yardstick to work towards, primarily because as you rightly say, that there has been lesser of properties that perhaps where people have handed the keys back. Um, perhaps that was more so in the in the sort of the 90s and then of course um, in the 2007 time. Even in 2007, they never actually handed back as many keys as I think they anticipated. Most people actually just sat on their hands and just said, you know what, we're not shifting. And I know that uh, in 2007, 2008, transactions were pretty much at zero level whereas they're, they're talking about them dropping down by 23%, they were actually almost at no transaction level because it just wasn't, nobody knew what the future was going to hold and everybody just sat fast. What they've done, the banks have done obviously since then, is um, built in these situations where they think, well, actually, there has to be a stress test. And if somebody can afford it at 2%, can they actually afford it at 7%? And that's exactly why there, there is a lesser, perhaps, a number of keys that have been thrown back also, most people have actually, you know, again, this year, probably just regrouping. I think regrouping is probably a good way of describing people are sort of taking stock of the situation uh, of the interest rate rises, the, the cost of living rise and all the other outgoings that they have and thought, well, you know, is it really prudent for me to move this year or is it even cost effective for me to move? You have to remember when people are moving and changing mortgages, sometimes they are talking themselves out of perhaps fixed rate mortgages, which were much lower. Um, and then all of a sudden, so I think we'll probably find that over the next two years, some of those fixed rates that come to an end will start to you know, shove the, the level of not so much move, but also the borrowing, etc., will change. Though I think, um, you know, I don't think that uh, borrowing is ever going to come back to the levels that they were.
No, I think that's probably agreed uh, widely. Um, just looking at the graph on the screen now for the benefit of the podcast people, I'll explain exactly what we're looking at. So buyer demand uh, against the five-year average, as we said, is down 23%. Uh, against last year, it's down 17%. The number of sales agreed against the five-year average is down 14% and down 5% against last year. The flow of supply is constricted, so that's down 6% on uh, uh, the five-year average and 1% year-on-year, so pretty much, much the same in terms of supply but look at the amount of stock for sales in other words the buyers are just not um, coming out and buying they might be kicking the tires but they're not buying because um, against the five-year average the amount of uh, homes for sale is up 19 percent but against last year the number of homes for sale is up 45 percent but that may well be skewed joe because we had a crazy year last year didn't we where everyone was trying to buy anything that's right. I mean, during the pandemic, for example, you know, that race for space and all those other terminologies that came alive, um, there was just such a shortage of stock. Um, and of course, now there is plenty of stock because obviously that, that race has stopped. People aren't rushing to buy. And of course, many other factors have got to be considered, um, and especially the increase in mortgage rates and of course, the um, cost of living. All of those have been factors this year. So subsequently, there is now more stock available. That's not to say that the stock available is stock that is um, saleable. It's probably more about circumstances, about people saying, well, actually, you know, I've, I've got to sell and maybe the affordability is not there for them. Um, and so they've got to be probably a little bit more prudent, a bit keener on their values. And actually, it's those things that actually starts for the media to start say, oh, look, house prices are dropping by 5%, 10%, 15%, whatever they start to throw out. The reality is that all that, all, all that is happening is uh, there's a check. Uh, and the check is that, you know, we're now sort of saying, well, you know, what is the realistic price um, in order to sell? And so therefore it's an adjustment in the value as opposed to a price drop. Not forgetting that, of course, 2019, 20. 2021 20, sort of into 22 house prices had crept up up to 20 in some cases 25 percent across the board so actually a five percent adjustment is almost insignificant in the, in the large picture so they're expecting the beginning of next year to get that usual spring bounce as they call it when the pent-up demand over christmas uh, materializes but of course there is one elephant in the room isn't the joe and it's general election year now you've been around long enough to have seen uh, the property market through a number of elections of all colors so uh, how does that affect uh, the market in general election year because the suggestion is there's a lot of people sitting on their hands waiting to see what's going to happen well, I, you know, I, I've stated, I think, throughout all of our programs, pretty much over the last six months, if not the last year, that, you know, this year, last autumn budget, the government did zip, zero, nicht, nothing for the housing market at all. Um, and I expect that there'll be a bundle of things in the, in the goodie bag uh, this year. And that's primarily because it is an election year um, coming up 2024. And of course, they want to do as much as possible to try and win the voters and also perhaps some confidence. I can't say that they haven't had a rough ride. They have had a rough ride. Some of it's their own doing and some of it is whatever the market's thrown at. And the only thing that we can actually uh, talk about and account for is what affects us and affects our pockets. And what that has been, is been energy prices. Uh, it's been 
uh, the mortgage rates, and some of those are not have not been in our control. For example, the war in Ukraine has not helped the energy prices going through. Some of it, I think, is used as excuses for people to say, "Okay, well, this is an opportunity. Let's whack the rates up. Let's." You know, uh, uh, but the reality is those are things that we can't control as as individual and we have to live with that so therefore we have to adjust our budget but i anticipate that uh, the autumn budget will start to throw some goodies out um and that's probably where the bounce back will come in the spring that is anticipated just who is buying the properties there's some interesting information in the data for for october um so looking at uh, the graph we have on the screen now so uh, just looking at the profile of people buying properties so um the people buy to lets with a mortgage so they were an average of nine percent but the year an average there would be nine percent the market was a buy to let with a mortgage uh, that's gone down to six percent this year so not many people buying buy to lets with a mortgage First time buyers with a mortgage, they've slipped back from 35% over the last five years to 33%. Um, existing owner with a mortgage, so someone moving up, upsizing, that kind of thing. 35% normally it would be, but now in this year it's been 29%. But here's the one that's interesting. Cash owner or investor, normally that would be 20% of the market, now it's 32%. So. Uh, so another 12% worth of um, cash owners or investors. So it suggests that those with the cash to buy are cleaning up. Well, you know, it's the old story here about stalactites and stalactites here, isn't it? So some things are going to go up and some things are going to go down. And in this situation, when house prices start to adjust uh, as they have done now, you will find that the cash buyers are coming out on two levels. One, they know that cash buying gives them strength. They are they are the only uh, players in the marketplace that will say, okay, well, I can afford to buy this because I don't need to go and borrow. I don't need to buy to let mortgage. I don't need to, um, you know, have a 95% mortgage to buy something. I've got the cash and therefore um, this is the price I'm going to pay. Um, so there, and they also know that um, people are going to have to adjust their um, figures from what they were. So. That's why the cash buyers are stronger. Having said that, not all cash buyers are going to come out, you know, with all their guns blazing, primarily because the high street lenders are really tempting the cash buyers to stay and keep their money in, in, in their savings because, you know, unless there's a good yield return, there's a good, you know, value in it, that's why cash buyers will probably just keep their money in the account. However, if the good deals are there, then of course cash buyers will come charging out and say, well, actually, I'm getting five and a half percent or six percent, you know, fixed rate return. And if I can get 12 percent or 13 percent return on, on an investment, less some costs, etc. And it's, you know, up to 10 percent, then maybe it's worth me considering getting out of the out of get my money out of the savings and put it into property, uh, because we know that in 18 months, two years down the road, the capital growth of that alone will be worth it for them, let alone the return on investment. So that's why the cash buyers are there. The mortgage guys, especially the first-time buyers, I think for them, this is a great opportunity for them to sort of jump back on the bandwagon. Um, they are the only two buyers. The investor buyers, the buy-to-lets, the government's done a grand job killing off. They've had a, a real issue with that. Two is all the taxations. B, of course, the cost of borrowing for a buy-to-let. Um, and of course, the, all the other bits like the uh, EPCs um, 
and you know uh, how they um, run their companies whether they are in private individual names or they're in a limited company what offers them the best returns what offers them the best advice all of that has pushed the buy to let market you know out especially the cost of borrowing for it um, which is a bit silly because the government equally hasn't been building enough housing so they're cutting their nose despite their face in that market uh, but in my view, that's given the first-time buyers a good chance to step on the first uh, run of the property ladder. So um, they're saying that one in five used to be the number of people who were cash buyers in the market. Now it's one in three. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also, um, they're talking about the fact that actually the house prices at the moment are overvalued for the market. So if you look at the graph, we can see the last 25, sorry, last 50 years of, of house prices. And you can see there um, that in the 70s, houses were dramatically overpriced, uh, right up into the late 80s, 89, um, over 80%. And then of course, we get some difficult times in the uh, mid 90s and uh, things are undervalued. And then we get that big build up to the crash in 2007, eight, uh, and then it rockets back. And of course, then we had all the years with super low inflation, uh, uh, sorry, interest rates. Um, and uh, and obviously the prices were undervalued. But then of course, with all these recent rate um, uh, increases, and as you say, the, the, the race for space and so on, prices have rocketed back up to over 40% and now they're coming back down again and will correct by the end of 2024. So um, so they're thinking that house prices will fall another 2% next year. But if you actually look at that graph, it's really just bringing things back to normal after a fairly turbulent 50 years. Yes, I mean, if you, if you look at the graph and in 50 years, I mean, the, the, the graph falls below the, 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 the line um, probably really three, four possible times, which is, um, uh, you know, made a significant difference. And if you think that over 50 years, that is, you know, it's not even worth talking about in, in a large, I mean, it was at the time, don't get me wrong, because obviously when the market was having a crash and, and people were having to have shut the keys back in and say it was not a good time. But if you look at it across the board for 50 years, three or four times with significant uh, drops is actually a small drop in the ocean. There were other times when there was just sort of smaller drop, maybe small adjustments. But what it does show, and, 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 our, and our love for property in the United Kingdom, and not only for our love for property in the United Kingdom, but for the love of international buyers that feel safe and know that they are always investing pretty soundly in the United Kingdom, um, it continues to be an area of a huge importance. Um, uh, far more important to us as people than perhaps to ministers in the government because obviously in the housing market we have a share of about 30,000 ministers throughout a transaction because nobody really knows what they're talking about as ministers for housing but when it comes to the government for, for the property market to help the government the government uses the whole housing market like a little yo-yo they, they always turn around and say okay well now we'll put the rates up and now we'll offer a reduction in stamp duty and now we'll offer a, a higher borrowing and support this and support that. So they know, and, and that's just a matter of what color of the government is, they all know that, you know, the British people love and have a huge love for the housing market. They're saying that uh, house prices need to fall further and incomes need to continue to increase or mortgage rates need to fall further to reset affordability to the correct level. 
In their projections, they assume mortgage rates will fall to 4.5% by the end of 2024 and remain at that level into 2025. Their expectation is that house prices will fall by an average of 2% next year. The number of homes for sale is at a five-year high, interestingly, which means that sellers are going to have to price competitively if, it's, if there's plenty of stock out there, then they're going to have to look at their pricing uh, and not be too ambitious, uh, I guess, but that's very easy to say, harder to do. Uh, faster growth in household incomes in 2024 will support affordability, but leaving housing slightly overvalued by the end of 2024. Households taking, no, uh, taking longer mortgage terms would remove this overvaluation. The outlook really hinges on the trajectory of mortgage rates and how lenders assess affordability in over 2024. The Bank of England is projected inflation to fall to its target in H1 of 2025 so mortgage rates falling faster in 2024 would support sales and pricing and this is the graph that you low and love and you've referred to it many times Joe so I brought it back for you as a, as a good old um, memory from the past here's the last 50 years of house price growth and as you can see over the last 50 years there has actually been one two three four five six seven eight eight times that the uh, prices actually fall in a year. But if you look at those, some of them are literally by less than 0.2 of a percent. So if you actually take the only significant drops over the 50 years, prices have only really significantly dropped four times. And those are due to economic disasters in one way or another. But it will see um, two more smaller drops added this year and next year. But overall, as you've said many times, Joe, I'm just setting you up here to get on your high horse <laughs> but uh, as you can see if you want to put your money into bricks and mortar it looks like a fairly good bet from what you see on the screen there although you could argue that the right hand side of the graph looks less dramatic as it did back in the 70s and in the uh, late 90s of course but everything um has gone up isn't it to, to a point where you know it's not i mean house prices well i i can only go back to you know, the time that I started, I, mean, I can tell you that, uh, you know, my first house sale was £34,950 in, in um, 1980. Um, and that was, uh, you know, a, a, a three-bed semi in, in Hayes. Well, I can tell you the same three-bed semi in Hayes, uh, Middlesex today, is at probably around 700000 650 to £700,000. So, you know, if you just use my own personal graph of life, will tell you that, uh, you know, whether it's there or not. But then the borrowing was easier, 95% or 100% in the case of borrowing at 34, 35,000 pound. Doesn't sound like drastic now, but when you think today, we're using the same, if not more as a deposit, let alone a purchase of a price of a, mm -hmm. of a property, that's pretty dramatic. So I'm not surprised that the right hand side is now actually a little tighter, but what it does still show is that um, house prices will continue to be a benefit. People love to buy a property. It is about one of the safest forms of investments that you can do. It's a touch it, feel it, and see it investment. Um, whereas a lot of other investment that people make are ha handled by other people, third parties. So for example, the stock market, you know, you really need to be on it, um, understanding it, and, and perhaps have someone that you have the trust in who's going to deal with it. But the good thing about the housing market is once you've bought it, you don't need to trust anybody else. It's your issue, really. You control it. You can open it, shut it, leave it empty, do whatever you like with it. As long as you pay the mortgage part of it, it's entirely in your own hand. And even sometimes 
you know, you might sit there derelict doing nothing for four, five, six years, but all of a sudden the land value is worth more. So people look at it as a, a, a more, um, a stronger investment, a more safer investment. Um, and of course, yes, it does give me the opportunity to do exactly what I do and get on my high horse about, um, you know, <laughs> investment in, in property, uh, primarily because, you know, you touch it, feel it and see it. And, um, and I've lived through it for the 40 plus years. Um, and if I could say to you, the number of people in that time who've asked me when our house price is going to drop. And I've said to them, if you just wait for that, here is a graph. I should really just put that graph on my on my social media and just share it each time. And when, when somebody says to me, what do you think the house price is going to drop? Well, I say, well, there you are. That's what's happened over the last 50 years. So you work it out for yourself, really. <laughs> well, there's one other big story in the week, and that was, of course, the fact that the Bank of England decided to hold interest rates at 5.25%. The uh, uh, Monetary Committee was actually split six to three. So three of the nine wanted to put the rate up to 5.5%. So they're still not entirely convinced, are they, the uh, MPC? No, and I think, I think uh, rightly so in some cases, but equally, uh, I'm not going to say to anybody out there that uh, this is the end. Um, it's not. I, you know, if inflation continues to do what it is doing, um, then we've got a chance that the rates will stay where they are. But if inflation, you know, stays at higher prices, then the chances are, sorry, a higher percentage point, the chances are the Bank of England will probably shove it up by another quarter percent. Um, obviously, we don't want that to happen. So, um, uh, you know, inflation has to, to bottom out. But interesting enough, you know, we said it here that basically by the end of this year, 23, they will somehow manage to, uh, you know, reduce the inflation to sort of half of what it was, you know, double digits um, earlier on, nine, 10% down to, you know, where we are now, six, six and a half percent. You will start to see that the, the rate, but I cannot imagine that the Bank of England or any financial institution, you know, with their right frame of mind are going to actually reduce the rates to any significant level. So I think this is the, the future. This is the new norm. And we just got to adjust accordingly. Well, looking at the Zupa report, they're suggesting in there that the rates will be about 4.5% by the end of 2024, early 2025. So they're talking about a higher for longer approach from the Bank of England. And that brings us on then to estate agents, of course, Joe. They're going to have to work harder and smarter, aren't they? Because, you know, as we're seeing, um, sales are down 23%. So how does an agent survive these tough times? I think... Um... It's a very interesting uh, question and it's an interesting subject, really. Uh, in, in my mind, um, agents have just got to get smarter in their own structure. That's been a real problem uh, for years on, and it's always interrupted by the so-called dis dis disruptors that come in the marketplace. People like your strikes and your purple bricks who come and tell people that you can do something for nothing. And we saw it with our own eyes. I saw it in, in my time, and you've seen it whilst we've actually almost been doing this program. That Purple Bricks came into the market with all its guns blazing and telling everybody how wonderful they are, and then it was sold for a pound. That just tells you exactly what those models do do. Um, and real agents, quality agents, will actually put a value on them. And those that value those people will actually happily pay the price. It's just that... 
I think you'll find that all these Mr. 1%, 0% and basically you pay us uh, or we'll pay you to have your instruction, the type of situation will just fade away. Those, those agencies will go and, and the long-term ones that have done good and, and are established, uh, right advice, right, right guidance are the ones that will probably survive through this. Um, and so it's important for agents to cut their cloth and their costing accordingly. We now know that you don't need to have perhaps high street premises um, as we used to and have lots of people sitting in there working. So it's all about how the structure has to be dealt with um, and how we can actually um, make things happen. And agents have got to do exactly that. And a lot of them are. A lot of the, you know, the quality agents and the quality firms are beginning to sort of say, well, actually, we need to cut our cloth accordingly now. Whereas you get the, the new startups that will come along with, you know, ambition, um, ideas, in most cases, fairly stupid ideas um, on the basis that they cut themselves. They, you know, they, they are, they are cut, you know, they're their own failures, their own culprits, primarily because they just, uh, um, they turn around and say that, um, uh, you know, you can do something for cheaper. You can't, you know, look. Paul, the, the reality is, I think people forget that there are basic costs that you just can't get away from. You know, if you're renting a place, it's going to cost you. You've got your rates, your rents, your electrics, staff, even the portals, which there are now two or three doing their battles, are not cheap. Advertising and so forth. This is all cost. But the consumer, you know, that, that is not our problem. It's theirs. But then this, the agents should turn around and put a value on themselves. They actually undervalue themselves. Forget about going out doing valuations on properties and trying to get them to increase them and get, help the, the, the consumer to achieve the best possible price. They need, the agents themselves actually need to sort of look in the mirror before they go out and say, you know, what am I worth to this customer? And do I really want to be just dropping everything just for the sake of an instruction that is overpriced and not going to sell? So my message to any agent is, you know, you've got to put a price on yourself, value yourself more uh, and be real. And of course, that was the last meeting of the Monetary Policy Committee, <clears throat> excuse me, before the uh, Chancellor's autumn statement. And uh, as you said earlier on, Joe, everyone's wondering exactly what they're going to put into that, uh, into that statement as a sweetener pre-general election next year, of course. So let's move on to our final story. The government's scheme to turn generation rent into generation buy is failing to help most single first-time buyers on an average salary with a 5% deposit. This is a new analysis by Rightmove. The mortgage guarantee scheme, which came into effect in April 2021, aims to support banks and building societies to offer 95% loans, meaning the buyer only has to have a 5% deposit. The scheme is designed to help first-time buyers and movers struggling to raise large deposits. Even before it launched, some lenders came forward with 95% deals, and on Monday there were another 38 mortgages launched with those sort of levels uh, of loan-to-value. However, analysis by Rightmove has revealed that many single buyers in the UK on the median wage are still locked out by buy into buying a home uh, in many areas, with the majority unable to afford three-quarters of properties for sale in the typical first-time buyer market. Market. Homes in this typical first-time buyer market include studio flats and one- and two-bedroom flats and houses, smaller properties that are popular to get onto the housing ladder. The analysis is based on a first-time buyer having a maximum budget of 
£810. This is based on being able to borrow 156 k from a lender, which is four and a half times the national average salary of 34793 and having a 5% deposit. Single first-time buyers in the capital are hardest hit, not surprisingly, being able to afford just 2% of studio one- and two-bedroom properties with an average London salary and a 5% deposit compared to the northeast, where solo first-time buyers could afford 67% of properties. So much for levelling up, eh, Joe? Yes, I mean, it's, look, um, I, I anticipated 38 more lenders coming to the forefront right now. Um, this is part of the, you know, 2024 uh, challenge of, of trying to make sure that there is available funding for potential first-time buyers, schemes that the government will endorse and re reintroduce, help to buy. I'm pretty certain we'll come back on the table um, with, with a, a higher, higher uh, deposit chance. Lenders themselves um, at 95%. You know, yes, it makes it tougher for single, but a lot of people will now get, you know, team up as couples. There will be um, homeowners um, and potential people that could probably um, afford to, uh, you know, help with some of that deposit. Um, it's a case of question of what the value would be. For example, nowadays, most lenders that are using their, their surveying panels have been told almost that they need to probably curve it by 10 percent to give a you know as a safe bit like that that policy of you know affordability uh, test you know it might be two percent and then they got to know that they're going to be able to afford up to seven percent and that's exactly what the uh, surveyors are doing now they're basically saying well if something's three hundred thousand pounds for argument's sake they're take they're taking off 10 percent off of that and saying that's what the value is that makes it really difficult for people to borrow but equally makes it difficult for people to sell because they can't afford to lock, knock off 30 percent, um, 30,000 pounds, you know, off the value of their property in order to, to get it sold. So there's a little bit of adjustment, a little bit of negotiation that has to go on in order to do that. But I think people will go back to um, borrowing as couples or as, as friends or, or, you know, within the family. They'll have, mm -hmm. you know, people will join up together and try and get that. It's not going to deter people to want to buy or get on the housing ladder. That we know is, is a given, even if we go back to that beloved graph of mine at 50 years. It shows very clearly that there is always going to be a love for property. It's just how we get there and how people get there. And I think um, there'll be more goodies that will be available um, as time goes on. Um, and the first-time buyers, this is, I mean, I think it's excellent news to a large extent, first-time buyers, if there is 95% mortgage available out there and you can meet the criteria and you can join forces with somebody, you seriously got to think about that on the basis that, you know, it does reduce your outgoings. The mortgage rate is probably cheaper than having, you know, significantly high rents that you're paying in, in, in the rental property. So, you know, it's just a case of good advice, good guidance, and of course we are here. I mean, I'm available um, at any time to help you put point you in the right direction where possible um, and put you in, t in front of the right kind of brokers who might be able to help you achieve the goals that you want. The thing that really grinds my gears, Joe, is that the mortgage rates for 95% loan-to-value mortgages are considerably higher than they are for someone who's got, for example, a 15% deposit. So the rate currently for a five-year fix on a 95% mortgage is 5.59% 
Whereas if you've got a 15% deposit, so you want a loan to value of 85%, that's 4.99. So it's just over half a percent more. Now, I can understand that the mortgage company will say, well, we're taking on the risk. But hang on a minute, the government's guaranteeing that risk for them. So why is the rate not exactly the same when you've got a loan to value um, uh, that's protected um, at 95%? So basically, if you put that into hard figures, if you borrowed uh, 164,810, as we suggested, if you've got the 95% mortgage, right, your repayment is £970 a month. But if you've got the 15% deposit, it's 818 based on a 25-year term. So it's £150 a month more for a 95% mortgage holder, um, even though that rate is being guaranteed by the government to the mortgage company. That just doesn't seem fair. And you're punishing the people who can't afford it. You're absolutely right. But the risk factor is, and I'll just go back on that uh, for you, just so that we, we are all clear. And not that I'm a mortgage advisor. Here's my ca uh, caveat. Um, but my understanding is that, that when the higher borrowing is there, i.e. the 95%, because the risk is higher there, there is also what we call an indemnity insurance policy that the lender takes out in order to cover themselves for a percentage of the risk. So whilst the government might guarantee the 5% risk, the lender may only have up to 80 or 85% of the risk under the Financial Services um, Act and so therefore they will take out an insurance policy which will then protect them in the event that borrower falls. The, the fact of the matter is that when uh, people actually um, go as a couple together then obviously the thing is completely transformed. If we just look at uh, the places where uh, people can uh, least afford to buy, so that's not surprisingly uh, in London and the areas around the south of England, you're back. I don't know whether that was because we put up the comment or whether that was just a coincidence. I'm not sure. But anyway, we're, we've, we're looking out. at... The... I missed out the comment. What was the comment? Sorry. Oh, uh, a guy came on and said 95% mortgages, even at the current rates uh, versus renting, still make sense. But I do yeah. agree with Paul that 95% mortgages are clearly overpriced. So... Uh, he was agreeing with me there, which is a rare moment, and thank you, Guy, for that. Uh, <laughs> looking at the looking at the areas of the country where uh, where you can uh, least afford to buy on your own, not surprisingly, London in the southeast is uh, is um, at the top there. Um, but as you go further north, things become very different. And let's have a look at the most affordable areas. If you want to live in West Dunbartonshire, now I have actually been to West Dunbartonshire many times, and it is beautiful um, in certain parts. <laughs> <laughs> as you, is most places, Paul. As is yeah, most places. In average parts. salary there is uh, thirty-four thousand. Uh, the maximum individual loan is one hundred and fifty-three thousand um, pounds, and you can get uh, and therefore on the average salary, a hundred percent of people can afford to buy and get on the housing ladder, which is great. But of course, there is something that you look at in that list there that is a commonality, uh, and that is the fact that they're all in Scotland, which is a nice yeah. place to live Very if you nice. can take the weather. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's the affordability area. So, uh, I suppose that's not surprising, but it does change completely when, of course, you uh, get to a point where two salaries come in, uh, and you've got two people buying together, and then you know, if you've got a reasonable salary or the average salary, double that up, you've got sixty-eight, nearly seventy thousand pounds there, and uh, you know, you should be able to get on the the housing ladder with that. But uh, obviously, you're going to have to look at you know a thousand pounds a month 
pretty much, generally speaking, for a, for, for a monthly repayment to your mortgage, which is a significant chunk of salary these days. Well, it is. It's also, by comparison to when you look at, you know, rentals, you know, 1200 to £1,400 a month now for one bedroom in certain parts. Um, and in other parts, of course, like perhaps Dumbarton, where you might be okay for £500 a month. Whereas down here, you're going to be in the south, you're going to be looking at, you know, £1,400-£1,500 a month. And in London, significantly higher. So that's where, you know, people think, okay, well, if I, if I can group, or as a couple or as members of family can f afford to put the right amount of deposit, right amount of income and borrow, borrow it's probably you know, a good call. It's, it's never changed, Paul, to be honest with you. When I was starting out, young people used to do the same, used to you know, buy together. Lots of couples used to buy, lots of friends will buy together. When there was significant uh, equity in the property, they might refinance and then buy another one and separate and go, you know, it was just a bit of a plan that had to happen. I don't think that's really changed. It's just that the values and the amounts have changed dramatically. Mm. And uh, Guy's just come back and said, I always agree with you, Paul, all of the time. I, mean, I always thought he was a wise man. And uh, on that note, we shall finish for this week. Thank you very much indeed. Hope you found those uh, comments uh, and, uh, and questions uh, and stories of interest today. Uh, thank you very much for watching Property Matters. We'll be back again very soon.